It's a pleasure to have you on this Businesses Doing Good call. This is a call that lifts up businesses who include in their social purpose or in their purpose improving the local city or communities where they do business. And we're excited, uh, as always, to have an opportunity to do interviews like this. We record all our interviews, and they're available at goodcities.net slash resources slash podcasts. If you go to the goodcities.net site, the navigation is pretty simple, and you'll be able to get to the podcast section. And uh, so right now we've got about 14 calls that have uh, been recorded over time. Our goal is that uh, leaders like yourselves would begin to get to know one another in cities and communities across the country. And as they get to know one another, uh, they would uh, perhaps be able to encourage one another to uh, serve their local community. As you know, Good Cities is a leadership development organization that advances the common good and the vision of Jesus in cities in measurable ways. And uh, this past year, we worked with leaders in five different cities uh, and uh, expanded our team a good bit uh, during our, our year, uh, added a research director uh, Reggie McNeil, as you might know, has joined us from Leadership uh, Network, and he's come over and is doing a great job of uh, serving as our city coach these days. And then we have uh, Communications Director in Akron, Mark LeClerc, who I believe will be on today's call. And also we have uh, Development Director, Dr. Bernie Johnson, who's on our team here as well. Way back in 2013 in Phoenix, Arizona, we held one of our city convened conferences. And uh, it was at that meeting that I met Scott Barr, who serves as the steward of Southwest Ex Exteriors and is the founder of our father's business and the leader of Unicity. And uh, so today we're going to have an opportunity to hear from Scott. It's been a pleasure to get to know Scott through the years. Uh, he and some other leaders invited me to come down and serve as a community coach in uh, San Antonio, and we helped lay the foundations for their citywide movement that they call Unicity. And uh, so today, Scott, we're pleased to have you on the line as our interview guest today, and we're excited to learn a little bit about the distinction between uh, stewardship and uh, ownership when it comes to businesses. So, Scott, uh, welcome to the call. Tell us a little bit about the, how, why you make that distinction between being the steward of Southwest Exteriors rather than the owner. Happy to, Glenn. So I believe that everything that I have belongs to God and own, is owned by God, and I'm called to be a steward and called to be a good steward of what he's blessed me with. So that's where that came from. And I, I got that idea from somebody else as far as putting it on my card, so I don't know who to give credit to that. But one of the things I love about it is it's a great uh, conversation starter a lot of times. You hand people your card, and they look at it, and they say, Stuart, what, what is that about? And mm. that's one of the things I love about doing that. Now, uh, how, does that, how does that work itself out, Scott, uh, when, it, when it comes to how you treat employers uh, or employees and uh, suppliers and customers? Yeah, so our – Kind of our core business philosophy is to take great care of our team members who take great care of our clients. And so that just flows through the relationships that we have with the, the suppliers that we work with. And, um, you know, our, our business model is built around exceeding our clients' expectations. And so, you know, one of the things that I learned and part of what I learned was from 
the Disney organization where they take great care of their cast members who then provide a great experience for their guests. So we've taken that principle and, and brought it into our business. And so that's really the core of it is, is just taking great care of our team members. That's great. Do you have any stories you'd like to tell about uh, some of your experiences and ways that, uh, you know, you're living out this stewardship vision with uh, with some of your employees or, or suppliers or customers? Yeah, one one um, one that's going on right now is we have a, a ministry partner that um, has a has a prayer ministry called Heart to Heart. And about a week ago, she um, she had somebody break into her house, kicked her door in, and um, really traumatized her. Um, so it was an opportunity for us to to use our resources to to come alongside of her and and um, just help her out at this time. So we're we, we call those love projects. We have a um, a line item kind of below the line in our ministry line where we're able, when somebody has a need, we're able to engage in that. We had another collaborative ministry in a part of town that's under-resourced, and um, it was a lady who had lived in this home for three generations that burned down, and um, one of the ministry leaders that's part of that collaborative on that side of town working with the church there where she went, they, they rebuilt the home, and so we were able to come alongside and you know, provide our goods and services, and we have a, a supplier that's um, that shares our values in terms of our faith, and and they donated the materials, and we donated the labor. So it's just opportunities like that to to engage. That's a wonderful story uh, of how you do that, and uh, it's neat. It, what you just talked about there is uh, is what we might call social capital. You have relationships with suppliers. And you were able to access that uh, that leader who is supplying the siding that you provide, and uh, and and that person, uh, because of the relationship you developed, is is now putting social capital work by by uh, bringing in the the siding that that uh, was needed, and you provide the labor. Uh, that's that's a lovely story along the way. Uh, how about employees? What what kinds of ways are you stewarding your relationship with employees? Yeah, so what what we're doing is we have a, a care team model that we're still in the early stages of. So it's a, a model that was created by um, a company in South Carolina, Polydeck, and they've they have a ministry component to what they're doing called His Way at Work, and they now have a a coach that's helping other organizations um, apply what they've learned through their business into other businesses. So. So the idea is that we would um, come alongside and have a fund where needs for employees can be met, where we have a, a care team that makes the decisions on, on how that money is invested. And um, so that's kind of the, the core of what we're doing there. Hmm. Well, Scott, when you say that, uh, you know, you uh, learned this from a leader of another company, Polydeck, who's a supplier in South Carolina, know you have other suppliers that you work with around the country. Um, how have you managed to meet people who hold similar values to you in that supply chain? Yeah, so it's all through, you know, relationships and word of mouth and just um, C12 group is a, a national peer group and coaching organization that I've made a lot of relationships through that. So that's where the, the Polydeck relationship came from. The um, our primary window and door supplier is in Northeast Ohio, and mm. um, they're 
they're a Christ-following company and or Christ followers that run the company, and um, it's just it's just through relationships you just learn about people and where their heart is, and then once you you know learn the values of the company, just kind of follow the trail. You know that's an exciting part about businesses doing good is that uh, people like you are out there looking for others who have a similar set of values and beliefs, and you you then try to work with those folks, and uh, and it helps everyone's business. When uh, when you're working together and th- then uh, thinking carefully about ways that uh, each of you might serve your community, one of the really cool aspects that I learned about uh, several years ago from you, Scott, was that you've been putting aside uh, capital to form our father's business fund. And uh, I'm just uh, curious, tell us a little bit about the the uh, vision for that and how that how that's working out. As uh, as you're using those funds, it started in 2000 when I got connected to a local ministry in San Antonio called Biblical Leadership for Excellence, and what they teach is how to live out your faith in an authentic way in the workplace. And early in that experience, the executive director gave me the book Mover of Men and Mountains, which is R.G. Letourneau's autobiography, and I read that book and. That's where, that's what inspired what we're doing as far as building our business to be an economic engine because that's basically what he did. And um, so that was the starting point. And then a number of other influencers along the way, one of the things I got connected with a, a coaching organization that helps you discover what your unique ability is and helps you build unique ability teams. And so that um, that was a big piece of the learning we um, became part of the, the C12 group in, in 2007 where they teach you how to build your business as a platform for ministry. Um, so it's been a number of those things. And then what we're what we're doing is building what we call a model business. So Southwest Exteriors is what the model is, is to convert from a an owner-operated contracting business into a team-led model that can be duplicated and multiplied. And then what we're doing at the heart of it is learning how to build economic engines to fund ministries and develop leaders living on mission. Oh. So, it's, so it's a third. It's a thirty-year plan. We're ten years into it. We launched in November two thousand eight, and over the next twenty years, what we plan to do is build a community of home contracting businesses, all in the San Antonio market, using the same business model and shared services. So a back office component to it. And there's a there's a model for what we're doing, and it's in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's called. Zingerman's. It started as a deli in 1982. Now it's a community of um, 10 food businesses that has a training organization, a shared service component. So what they're doing is identical to what we're doing, except we're we're in the home contracting business and they're in the food business. But they're a very collaborative organization, and we have a team going up there in May to learn more about what they're doing. So that's that's what that's where we're at now. Again, Scott, you're showing, you know, your your proclivity toward mar- toward uh, networking with others, and how important that's really been for uh, for the work that you're doing. And you you do a lot of networking locally, and uh, and I think it was out of that desire to see the unity of the body of Christ serving San Antonio that uh, you and Mike Shero and a few others began to form Unicity. Tell us a little bit about Unicity and the impact that's having on the city, because you're not only doing business in town, but you're volunteering and serving in ways that bring uh, leaders together to serve the city. That's right, yeah. So that, that journey started in, in 2005. I reconnected with a guy that I went to high school with, and he was working for the San Antonio Housing Authority, which is the government agency for affordable housing here. 
and um, he had a heart for the city transformation work, and so he introduced me to it, and he took me around to a number of urban ministries, and and what I what I discovered was that um, t- these ministry leaders were very passionate about what they're doing, clearly called to it, but they were burning out, and they were burning out because they were spending more time on funding the mission than they were on advancing the mission, and that just broke my heart. And so that's mm. that's where that started in 2005, and just been following you know, following God's leading as we go. And then, like you said, 2013 was when I was in Phoenix with y'all, and learned a lot there, and um, connected to, to Chuck Proudfit in Cincinnati, and went there and, and learned what they're doing. And so we we from what we learned, that's where we started Unicity, and uh, we we describe Unicity as a backbone organization that supports initiatives and helps them build leadership capacity and financial capacity. So the initiatives that we're supporting here in San Antonio are the San Antonio Marriage Initiative, the South Texas Alliance for Orphans, and um, a church school partnership initiative are the the main three that we're we're working on right now. Well, that brings together uh, nonprofits, business leaders, and uh, churches, and uh, and really, I'm sure you have to interact with government leaders and educators as well, all the way along the way, as you seek to serve the areas that uh, local leaders are telling you are important to the uh, to the common good and to a vision of Jesus for San Antonio. And uh, I'm I'm excited about all these things that you're sharing, and I just wondered uh, if you might have. Uh, I know you've got several different websites, but uh, uh, can you give us a website for, I think, Southwest Exterior uh, for, uh, I think I, I uh, actually in the invitation gave uh, a number of hot links, but uh, you give us a few websites that people might want to see for Unicity and maybe for our father's business as well? Absolutely. So the website for Unicity is unicitysa.org. So just uh, Unicity and then SA for San Antonio.org. And then the website for Our Father's Business is OFBI.org, which is Our Father's Business Incorporated. So OFBI.org. And then our business website is SouthwestExteriors.com. Easy to find. If you if you didn't get all that down, you can you certainly can Google uh, each of those. And I I found that uh, you know each of those pop up pretty quickly. And uh, Scott, if they wanted to get in touch with you directly, how might they uh, connect with you by email or phone? Yeah, the best way would be just to shoot me an email at scott at southwestexteriors.com, and I'll be happy to reply, and then when I reply, you'll you'll have all my contact information. That's great. I'm glad to, glad uh, for folks to have that information, and uh, Scott, you always make yourself available for networking, and I know some folks on today's call will want to follow up with you. Well, we've come to the point in the call now where the uh, phone lines uh, are, and they're, they're always open during the call, but uh, where we're going to invite our guests to uh, a- ask some questions and uh, maybe make some comments from what they've heard so far and, and, uh, and see if they can dig in a little bit further, Scott, to uh, learn a little more about the good things that are going on in San Antonio through Southwest Exteriors, our father's business, and Unicity. Who has the first question? Give us your name and where you're from. Hi, this is uh, Pablo from Cleveland. Go ahead, Pablo. 
Thank you. Hey, Scott, just just a couple of questions on, on the business. Is it a for-profit business? That's my first question. Yes, sir, it is. It's a uh, for-profit subchapter S corporation. And, and can you tell us a little bit about the story of how you incorporated? Did you start like a regular business or are you structured as a sole owner? How, how does that how does that uh, work? Yeah, so I have to include my faith journey in that just just briefly. Is you know, grew up in the church and went through a real rebellious season in my life, starting in college, which ended you know, ended up in going through adulthood, and then went to work at this business in 1990. It was just a just a regular contracting business, home improvement business, and um, in 19 I went to work there in 1990, bought it in 1992, and then in 1994 was the turning point. And the, the starting point of the journey I'm on now, where my grandmother died unexpectedly, and um, I had gotten married in 1991. I married a lady who wasn't following Jesus. I wasn't following Jesus. It was really a, a nightmare uh, marriage. And um, and then the guy that I bought the business from, I did not have a non-compete agreement with him. So in February of 1994, my grandmother died. Shortly after that, my wife filed for divorce. And then shortly after that, he decided he was going to open a competing business and mm-hmm. um recruited employees and used the customer list, one of those kind of things. So it was all those things in a real short period of time that I believe God used to crush me and start the process of remaking me. So the journey I'm on today started in 1994. And then I couldn't reconcile the way we were doing business and what the Bible teaches, so we converted from a a transactional business model to a relational model. There's a lot of, you know, story that goes along with that. But then it wasn't until 2000 where I really – um, discovered that I could live out my faith in the workplace. I was feeling like I needed to do something different. But once I had that understanding and then saw what R.G. Letourneau did with his business, that was that's what got us going down the, the road we're on today. Thank you, Scott. That's, yeah, that's quite a journey that you just shared there. Uh, I mean, honestly, it just uh, from your time in college all the way up until 94, it it's interesting to me that when we have a time where we really surrender to God, uh, it, it often takes years before we really are ready to launch, you know, launch out in kind of a, a new missional direction. It sounded like those six years were very important for you as you were seeking that biblical model. Absolutely. Scott, this is uh, Scott Myers in uh, Talmadge, Ohio. Um, good to hear your story again. Um, as you and I have talked in the past, you know, we, we've talked about operating our own businesses, uh, by those principles and for those purposes. Um, and then we've also talked about wanting to find others nearby who are doing the same thing and even, uh, working to influence people to make the same change in their business that you made. Um, how, how, what kind of successes and failures and disappointments uh, have you had in that uh, recently? Yeah, so I would say um, when we when we decided and committed in November 2008 to convert from the traditional business model to the ministry model, the, the our, our business model has a team leader that that operates the business, runs the business, and then we have a team leadership council. So the leaders from each of the functional areas, and our functional areas are marketing, sales, installation, HR, and accounting. So those five leaders along with the team leader make up the team leadership council. So 
that's the business model. Our, the the first team leader that we hired that um, came on board with us in March of 2009 was not a good fit and left in January of 2009. I'm sorry, January of 2010, so less than a year. But through that process, a guy that, um, kind of a long story, but he had uh, gotten connected with John Eldridge's uh, Wild at Heart ministry and just had a huge heart or has a huge heart for men. And he was working in a, a regional bank here in San Antonio in their capital markets and so I asked him when we when we were we were we were in a small group of men that would meet every week, and so I asked him if he would help me on this journey of converting the business and and just meet with the men that were involved in at, at the business at the time and help me navigate through that. And so um, because of that relationship and and he he had a relationship with the team leader that wasn't a good fit. Anyway, um, we saw through that that he could be the team leader that. What we need is a high-capacity servant leader. We don't have to have somebody that's an expert in the contracting business. And the model is that we can take, um, like I said, a high-capacity servant leader, and the owner can walk alongside the team leader for three to five years and help build a a high-performing team that's not dependent on the owner. So anyway, um, Brian came on board in March of 2010, and he stayed with us through 2015, and so he did that. He went through the owner-to-team conversion, built out um, all the pieces to it, and the whole plan for him coming on board was to learn how to do that and then teach others. So he, he now has a coaching practice called Summit Trek, which is helping other um, business owners convert from this owner-operated-to-team-led model. So that's been, um, that's been the fruit that's come out of that, is now there's a coaching organization that, that walks owners and 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 partners through these conversions. That's fantastic. That's great to hear. Thank you, Scott. You're welcome. Thanks for asking, Scott. Scott, could you repeat the name of that consulting? Absolutely. It's it's Summit Trek Coaching. So I'll have to spell that out. It's S-U-M-M-I-T-T-R-E-K, SummitTrekCoaching.com. And, Pablo, if you want to send me a an email, anything that, that you want, that I've mentioned, I'll be happy to connect you with it. Appreciate it, Scott. Yes, sir. Kind of add on to that story a little bit. Where um, October 2007 was when C12 Group came to San Antonio, and the the first chair was a guy who had been in the produce exporting business in California. His um, his wife's family was fourth generation co-op farmers in the Central Valley there, and he built a very successful business exporting produce from California into the Pacific Rim, and he felt like he was being called into church ministry. And so he ended up going to seminary after that and went on staff at Saddleback Church. And what he discovered through that process was that he really connected well with folks or could really um, work with folks who were making that transition, kind of that Bob Buford transition from success to significance. So out of that, he got connected to um, a strategic life plan process that was um, created by a guy by the name of Tom Patterson, Living the Life You Were Meant to Live, is the book that he wrote. And out of that strategic life plan process is where the purpose-driven life came from. So so Rick Warren's church and um, Peter Drucker was involved in that, as well as this Tom Patterson so anyway, Jeff learned this strategic life plan process, and he, he made that a component or, a, I guess, an add-on to the C12 bundle 
for people here in San Antonio. So he took me through my strategic life plan in December of 2007, and it's it's basically a two-and-a-half-day spirit-led process where um, the coach serves as the facilitator. And that's where I got the clarity that I believe my gifting is connecting people, ideas, and opportunities, and then my calling or my kingdom assignment, as they refer to it, is to support kingdom leaders by connecting with kingdom resources. So I, um, I'm created to serve in a supporting role and, and serve in that, using that gift of connecting. So, so again, that, that clarity came in December of 2007, and then in November 2008 is when we converted our business model, but it's been one of those, um, you know, learn and grow as you go. So that's, um, that's how all that started. That's outstanding. What, what a good story. Thank you for sharing that story with all of us. I, I think it's good to, you know, one of the things you just brought up is how important it is to step back and reflect and to think carefully about um, what your particular strengths and gifts might be so that you can fulfill God's plan for your life. And uh, and, and that uh, process, the uh, life plan process that uh, you just mentioned, seems like a, a really good one, uh, is... Uh, What's Jeff's last name, and is he still doing that kind of work with people? Yeah, so um, Jeff is not. He's in, he's in Montana now. He's helping his son with the business. But, but Summit, okay. Trek Co- Summit Trek Coaching, what they did is they took that life plan model and converted it into a, a group life plan. So it's something that could be done for uh, much less money, and they can do it in groups and have a really nice place to do it. But the um, – there's the the organization that I would go to is is uh, Tom Patterson's organization there in I believe Fort Collins and anybody that wants that information let me know and I'll get you the right website but it's a, I think they call it the Patterson Center right now but you could also Google Strategic Life Plan Patterson Center and it would come up but they it's an incredible organization they're the ones that train and equip these coaches and so one of the um, one of the ministry leaders that I'm connected with his name is Brad Sprague and he's out of Tulsa. And he's um, he's connected to uh, a disciple-making movement collaborative, and so Brad is trained in this strategic life plan. He's he's the one that I would recommend for ministry leaders. He's done it with a number of ministry leaders, and and so Brad actually trained Jeff. So Brad would be the best person if somebody wanted to get connected or just go straight to the Patterson Center to learn more about it. Well, it sounds like there's about three different resources you just mentioned: the Summit Trek Coaching. Dot com who are now using a life plan in a uh, in a group setting, and then uh, the Patterson Center. Do they do something similar uh, with a group? No, they 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 train coaches, so they equip organizations. So they have they have a uh, strat ops where they do strategic planning for businesses, and then they have the strategic okay. life plan for individuals. So that that's a coaching training center. So if you wanted to learn to become one of these coaches, and then uh, sell that as a service, you could do that. And then Brad Sprague out of Tulsa, he, he works one-on-one with folks. To, does he train them as coaches in uh, in this as well? No, he's doing the strategic life plan. So um, okay. the, the Patterson organization trains the coaches, and they've got a great website, great content that explains all of that. And then, and then Brad okay. is, is licensed through the Patterson Center. So he's a, he's a strategic life coach that's, that's a representative of the Patterson Center. Well, that's all really valuable information, and uh, it's it's good to hear your own story about how your life was changed by this this uh, kind of experience and plan. And I'm sure others on the call and others who listen to the recording later are going to be interested in learning about that. 
Yeah, and they're incredible people, just so faithful, so great organization. I guess I'll, I'll take another one, if I may, Glenn. Certainly. Follow again. Um, Scott, you mentioned earlier that part of your model is taking great care of your employees, so they'll take great care of your customers. Can you share with us a, a couple of stories of how you do that and what types of things you do that um, that are unique to your organization that make your employees feel that they're treated great? Yeah, I think, you know, one of, one of our, we call the four C's of exceeding clients' expectations is compassion. So um, our team leader is, his name is Steve, and he was a church planning pastor for 20 years prior to coming on board with us. And... Um, He's got a, he's got very much a pastoral heart, very relationship oriented. So that's that's one of the big things is just letting folks know that they're cared for and having compassion for them. Um, and then when when they have a, a need, then we're able to to engage and help them in that need. So one of the, one of the what would be the other three C's? You mentioned you have a four C model. Compassion yep, yep. being so, one of them. Yep. So the four C's to exceeding clients' expectations are communication, craftsmanship, cleanliness, and compassion. So it's, it's a long story about how we got there, but through a survey process, we discovered those exceeding expectations all fell into those one of those four buckets. Matt Randerson, we haven't heard from you today. I just wonder, uh, as a younger leader who's uh, working with Thrive and Financial, uh, Tell us, do you, do you have any uh, thoughts or questions? Uh, I know that you come from a whole group of folks who are seeking to be wise with money and uh, and generous with service. Are you still on the line? Yeah, I am. Um, I've actually got a question. Sorry, I'm actually in a stairwell. Um, uh, I've got a question on um, particularly on, like, the culture piece, and you talk about the cleanliness um, of your four Cs. I'm just wondering if you could kind of comment on, on go a little bit deeper on that. Absolutely. So that that comes from the job site primarily, where when neighbors are watching the job done, that's one of the things that they typically comment on. So say we, we did a job and then um, one of their neighbors hired us. We, we kept hearing that consistently where, we, where one of the things that made a big impression on them was how clean we kept the job site. So not only did we clean up at the end of the at the end of the day, but we would keep stuff from blowing around and that just made a big impression on people. So, so that's where that comes from. And then a little bit of a follow-up to that is how do you, how did you kind of. Yeah, your question cut out. Matt, I don't know if you can hear us, but your question cut out. I know you said you were in a stairwell. Well, I'll tell you miracles of modern Hello? communication. Yeah, Matt. Are you Hello. There, there <laughs> yeah. we go. Sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, just a little bit of a follow up is like, um, I'm, I'm again really interested in kind of those four C's and that kind of how did you mandate some of those things into the culture? So you you had this study, you kind of extracted these four C's, and then what have been some a little bit of the journey and and really um, mandate maybe not the right word, but how did you really start to make uh, those things owned by every person in the organization? Um, obviously, it starts with you, but how else did you really uh, make that a strong part of the culture that you have today? One of the things that I believe has had the biggest impact on that is what we call our hero awards. 
So we have a monthly team meeting, and at that team meeting we acknowledge the heroes for the month. And so the team members nominate each other to be heroes. And so what they do is they tie that into to either one of our two core values of love and excellence or to one of the four C's. So, I mean, they write up these cards, a hero award card, and it's posted in the, the break room. And then every month at the team meeting, we read those, have the, have the folks come up front. And then um, what we do is we have a drawing where some kind of gift card for anybody that submitted a card for the month then wins a gift card. So we're actually encouraging people to nominate these heroes and really promote the hero awards that way. And that's had a, had a huge impact. We've been doing that, I don't know, um, maybe 10 years now. Okay, great. I love that. That's a, a very, that's a very important thing to do to give recognition to people who are living out your values. And uh, that uh, that kind of thing really builds an esprit de corps, as uh, people know that it's coworkers who are going to nominate them and vote and vote for the person who is the hero of the month. And uh, it's a it's a good thing for us all to be reminded that uh, folks need recognition, sometimes even more than the than the paycheck that they get. That recognition really drives folks to serve well, doesn't it? And that's something we're. As we learned from the, the Zingerman organization, one of the things that they do is they have code code green and code red. So code green is whenever they get a compliment, whoever receives that compliment is responsible for sending out the communication of this code green and what the compliment was. And on the flip side of that, whenever they get a complaint, they're responsible for sending out this code red communication. So as soon as a complaint is received, it's everybody's notified. So it's not one of those things where you have a, a small problem that turns into a huge problem. So there's a lot that we're learning from the, the Zingerman's organization, even though it's a very different business. Very helpful. Yeah. Other questions? Scott, this is, uh, yeah, this is Scott Myers again. Um, and and we've talked about this in the past, so just, again, checking to see how your uh, thought has developed on this. That, um, you know, if, if, if we think multi-generationally, um, you know, we want to, we get these businesses going and we want them to continue past us. What, what kind of thoughts have you had about how to be able to, to hand off your business to future generations? Absolutely. So our long-term plan is to have a board of elders that will be responsible for these businesses, this community of businesses, and the board of elders will be responsible for spiritual oversight and financial oversight. So, Southwest Exteriors is going to be donated into what we call a, a kingdom holding company. We still don't have the structure for that and, and all of that, but what we're, what we're going to do is convert. If somebody, an owner, wants to exit their business, then we'll be able to buy their business from them, roll it into the holding company, and um, each, of the, each of the new companies is going to be um, owned by the holding company. So, Eventually, when Southwest Exteriors, it will be donated into the holding company versus the, the assets going to my family. So that's kind of the core of it. Very cool. I just want to thank you. Throw in, throw in one one quick thought there um, from that kind of the multi generational pass or passing on to the next generation. Um, just kind of an idea that I've seen uh, a few businesses um, in nonprofits do as well is um, something that they kind of call a shadow board. And so, obviously, you have your board of elders and such, but 
um, alongside and kind of next to that is almost this, um, they're, they intentionally choose to pull in um, the next generation of leaders to be, again, kind of shadow board. They don't necessarily have all of the decision-making or voting power, but nonetheless, they're, uh, I guess you kind of call it a seat at the table um, to give them insight, um, let their voice uh, be a part of the the conversation and discussion. Um, and so um, I've even seen that a little bit at Thrivent where some, some of our C-suite executives have kind of intentionally grabbed a younger uh, a younger talent and kind of brought them along into things um, just so they can get an idea, so they can learn. Um, experience is one of the best teachers. And so um, the investment, I'll, I'll say even this, being being someone of younger generation, being 29, um, what that communicates to me uh, is that you you really really care about me um, and you're you're willing to invest in me? So I don't know if any if you or anyone else on the call has the opportunity to do things like that. Um, but like that idea of shadow board or um, kind of a junior board um, is just a really uh, really exciting thing that I've seen some businesses and nonprofits do really well. Yeah, that is great. Something that we've started doing is we call it we call them emerging leaders, but we have a quarterly strategic planning offsite and the last one we had we in invited emerging leaders from each of our functional areas and um, that was huge for us we had one of our installation leaders who had uh, really good feedback really good ideas and as well as he said man i never understand i never understood why we did that so just having Mm. that is just huge yeah it's awesome i love that well, Scott, it's been a pleasure having you on our Business Doing Good conference call today, and uh, I feel like we've learned a lot from you. And, uh, you know, through a combination of, of uh, good questions that folks have been uh, thinking about who called into the call and, uh, and, and your own stories, we've learned a great deal about ways in which you're putting into action this value of being a steward, this stewarding your relationship with suppliers, employees, and customers in ways that really matter and make a difference in the community and uh, and in the uh, lives and families of those uh, who you touch. And uh, it's interesting, the community for you expands well beyond San Antonio, although San Antonio is right at the core of your heart and your thinking. Your suppliers are out there in South Carolina, Northeast Ohio, and I know you've made a few a few new friends here even on this call today. I encourage you all to be in touch with one another and to encourage one another, perhaps uh, after the call, if you want to email Scott. I know that he gave his email a little bit earlier. Scott, that email again is what? Scott at southwestexteriors.com. Very simple, very straightforward. So uh, give Scott an email and uh, let him know some, some more of your thoughts from today's call or connect with him. He's a guy who loves to connect, as he just told us. So. Scott, would you mind if I pray for us as we go? I would love that. All right. God, I thank you and praise you for this time that we've had today with our friend Scott, who is uh, seeking to be a servant leader and stewarding Southwest Exteriors, our father's business, and uh, and working closely with leaders to uh, lead a, a servant leader movement for the good of, uh, of San Antonio through Unicity. God, I pray that you'll bless him in all these endeavors, bless him in his relationships with customers, employees, and suppliers. And, and we thank you, God, for the new relationships that you've formed on this call today. 
may uh, may this call be an encouragement to all who hear it. In Christ's name, amen. Well, God bless you all. I hope you have a great day today.